Keelan McCamey here with Peak Realty and Jen Allen as well with Peak Realty. We wanted to take a little bit of time and talk about uh, agency law in Colorado and how buyers and sellers can hire agents. Yeah. And uh, but before we get into that, uh, let's. I want to give a little bit of history on why we operate the way we do. Um, way back in 1957, there was this case. Whoa. Well, yeah. <laughs> that is history. Okay. I'm, I'm way on board back, now. Yeah, way back. There was this case called Conway Bogue. And what came out of it, and the short story is this, the real estate agents were running around writing contracts and the lawyers didn't like it. And so they <clears throat> went. this whole thing went to Colorado Supreme Court and the lawyers didn't want the agents practicing law because they're, you know, writing contracts, negotiating, taking money. And so they, they wanted to, to fight to basically keep control of all that business. And what came out of that court case were three things. And one of those things we're going to talk about today. Um, what, the first thing that came out of the case was the agent, the real estate agent, um, has to be tied to the transaction. So they have to represent the buyer or the seller. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to talk about later today. The other, the other two things where you can't charge anything, you can't charge additional fees above your commission if you're going to uh, fill out more forms mm -hmm. and that if a form exists by the real estate commission we have to use it as real estate agents but the first we're going to talk about the, so those are the three big things but we're going to talk about the first thing uh that came out of that and we and you know it, it we still operate under this case even now 2017 um but it's we have to be tied to the transaction and so if we're tied to the transaction we have to represent the buyer seller mm -hmm. and there's jen so what are the different ways we can represent the the principal the buyer seller so there are well if it's, we're talking <clears throat> truly about representation there are two main ways and that is as an agent or as a transaction broker they're also party to the transaction can be customers mm -hmm. and i don't have my cheat sheet because huh? there's the one more that i can't think of oh well there's there's buyer <laughs> well there's buyer agent seller agent transaction broker and customer. Okay. I, oh, you got all of it. I, okay. you, know, you you were lumping the buyer and seller thing. That together. I was thinking. There's four bullet points I usually. And there say. are. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And so technic <laughs> technically, what she's talking about is that form. There's a disclosure form. Mm -hmm. Technically, we're supposed to provide this form to anyone we meet who starts talking about real estate, <laughs> or you know. And so, do agents do, do that no. all the time? <laughs> no. So we're supposed to disclose to the public how agency works and you would be surprised how many people have bought and sold lots of homes and the agents never talk about it yeah they, they have no idea no yeah so so what how, how do we do this so we could talk a little bit about um let, let's just talk about what happens when no employment agreement is signed okay and what i mean by that is when you hire an agent, you you sign a typically sign an employment agreement, mm -hmm. and it specifies whether you're an agent or a transaction broker. If there's no agreement at all, the default is transaction broker. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> no agreement in place, transaction broker. So the I don't think people know that. No, no, they don't. And what what comes into play is that if if you're sell if I was selling my home, I would want someone to be looking out for me, uh, to have a high level of care, and to tell me everything good and bad that could happen. Mm -hmm. And in the legal speak, it's um, uh, for an agent, the agent has to disclose all the, all the material benefits and risks to the client. Yeah. 
whereas, and that would be an agent to, yeah. at a higher level of care and versus a transaction broker, which a lot of companies are touting out there. We work exclusively transaction broker. And I'm thinking you're, That's you're, 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 well, you're bragging, you're <laughs> bragging about having a lower, lower, lower level of care, lower level of care, a lower standard legally. And so if you're a transaction broker, you just have to disclose material facts that you know about as the agent, mm -hmm. but you're not communicating any of the benef potential benefits or risks to the client. And in fact, if you do that to one side and not mm -hmm. the other, you could get yourself in trouble, couldn't you? Because you're supposed to just be neutral. You're supposed to be kind of the referee, but mm -hmm. if you are telling one side the benefits and risks, couldn't you get yourself into yeah, if, you, if, if, if a client sued later and a judge is you're, everybody's sitting in front of the judge, the judge could look at how the agent acted and say, yeah. you were acting like an agent, so I'm going to treat you like an agent. Yeah. Absolutely, that could happen. Um, but, you know, so so it's kind of funny, like how some of these companies say, oh, we work exclusively transaction broker. And I'm thinking, well, how does that benefit the client? It benefits yeah. the agent yeah. because they have a lower duty of care. And I think um, sometimes you'll see people working as transaction broker, like say they're an investor who has a real estate license. Mm -hmm. So they have their license, so they have to work under the rules of the commission, but um, they, they, they may go in wanting to, you know, get a lower price mm -hmm. and do certain things. And yes, they have to disclose that they're an agent, but they don't have to, they don't have to communicate benefits and risks to this person they're going direct to. Right. So the, they would probably be a transaction broker and there probably wouldn't be any agreement signed yeah. Until, like, uh, the contract is signed, and then the agent probably throws all the paperwork. Yeah, just sign this, end. this, and this, and we're good to go. And we're good to go. <laughs> and then the client, and then the person, they get the disclosure, and it's on them, right, to be responsible for knowing yeah. it. Mm -hmm. But you know, buyers and sellers don't know agency law. And it's overwhelming the amount of paperwork that we have to give them, and so if we're not explaining it, mm -hmm. most people aren't reading it and asking us questions. Right. That's what I find. I have to point out the questions that they should be asking me yeah. almost. Now, we, <laughs> we, we only work uh, as buyer agents and seller agents. Mm -hmm. We want to be the coach. We want to be able to communicate the benefits and the risks to our client. Um, let's say, for example, Jen's at an open house and you're, rep and you're, you're representing the seller. Mm -hmm. And so you have a, a seller agency agreement with the seller. And let's say I walk in, I'm a buyer, and I'm just looking around the house. I'm like, oh, this is nice. You know, I'm, I'm getting interested in buying the home, mm -hmm. and I'm unrepresented. Right. So what do you, how would you approach that? I would say. From an agency kind of before standpoint. Before you tell me too much, I have to let you know that I do represent the seller as an agent. And that means anything that you say to me at this point, I am obligated to take back to the seller. Okay. And so. So do I need my own agent? Uh, I would highly recommend, if you don't already have an agent, that you do, before you tell me anything about your motivations or, you know, talk about price or anything, that you do get an agent, and I will communicate through the agent. Just a quick note, PTM, price terms, motivation. When the other, when the other person starts talking price terms, motivation, uh, you, you did the right thing. You would, you would kind of just, you're supposed to disclose, hey, I represent the seller, mm -hmm. um, and maybe refer them to another agent for yeah. that house. But you could, you could I can help always them. refer them to a really good agent that I know is truly going to help them. Yeah, that's the way we handle stuff. A lot of <clears throat> a lot of agents will try to double in the deal, meaning that if uh, they're representing the seller and another unrepresented buyer comes along, <clears throat> that the agent would shift 
from seller agency to transaction broker and would be a referee at that point, would be mm -hmm. neutral. Um, I personally won't do that. I can't not give my opinions yeah. <laughs> to, my, to right? my clients. I can't then shut it down. Oh, I've been helping you this far, but now the dynamic is changing and they do need to, t to have the seller sign something that states that they're aware that that dynamic is, is changing. Broker change of status form. Mm -hmm. So if it, yeah, if it goes from seller agency to transaction broker, yeah, they have to fill, fill out a form and, and all this should be disclosed to the, to the public. Um, and at that point, they become Switzerland referee, and they're, they're, now they can't advocate or communicate benefits or risks anymore. And it's a really weird thing. It's like, well, no. But the public, I don't think, knows that. And so they assume no. that we are all doing the same thing, and we all have that same level of care. And if nobody's telling them otherwise, then why would they if it's not to their benefit, right? I mean, there are a lot of people out there who... Mm -hmm wouldn't share that information even though we're legally supposed right. to. <laughs> you know, and, yeah, and on, on top of all of this agency stuff is the whether or not an agent's a realtor or not, and that's kind of a different topic, but as realtors, we police ourselves within the realtor community, and we have a code of ethics that's, that goes even beyond agency mm -hmm. uh, law. So for being realtors, um, you know, I don't know personally of any realtors who actively promote working transaction broker. No, I mean, they like want to be the agent. Yeah. yeah, they want to be the coach for the client. Mm -hmm. It's just something to think about. Um, oh, and you know, I, we could give some different examples. Like here's one, guaranteed buyout programs. You oh. see these things marketed all the time. Like if we don't sell your home, we'll buy it. I'm not saying they're all bad. However, um, if you're a licensed agent and, uh, well, first of all, this we is a seller. This is my, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I can see. This is, uh, I'm like, yeah. He's really into it. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I get excited about agency law, I guess. But um, if somebody's promoting a guaranteed sale program, basically, uh, do you think they're going to buy your home at fair market value? If they're guaranteeing to buy it, they're going to buy it at a lower discounted price. Yeah. And, um, and if they're an agent... They also there's other forms and other things they have to do where they can't take a commission. Right. They have to disclose to the person to the seller that they may make a profit on the sale mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And and they go in selling, I think, convenience. Yeah. And they're usually what? They're usually gonna be transaction broker right. in that case. Um, or if they were an agent, they're gonna probably I don't know if they could shift. They could shift. Transaction broker, if it maybe or not. Sell. Maybe, maybe not. It yeah. depends on the dynamics. But um, I just when when and we see more and more of like these technology firms and these hundreds of millions of dollars going into these companies that are selling convenience for mm -hmm. quick sales. Mm -hmm. You know, as an agent, if I'm if I as an agent, if I'm communicating the benefits and the risks of that, the risks would be that they're not they're not going to net as much. Right. You know, because nobody's going to outright buy your home unless they're going to buy it at a discount, turn around and sell it. Exactly. Especially if they're not making a commission. They have, they've spent their time, they're expecting to get compensated for their time somehow. Yep. Yep. And it's going to be through profiting on the sale of the home shortly after. And yeah, it, and, and they, <laughs> it's, it's just not, and so you, all of these dynamics, that's one example of, of a, like when a guaranteed buyout program, you know, they may be coming at, the consumer as a transaction broker, yeah. I would think, yeah. in a lot of cases, but just something to think about. So we talked about open house. We talked about the court case. Uh, we talked about realtor code of ethics. 
talked about sort of the differences between agency and uh, transaction brokerage. And the big, the big difference is that um, as a transaction broker, you have to disclose ma material facts if you know them. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to maintain confidentiality. If there's any money, you have to account for the money correctly and you have to have reasonable skill and care. And then as an agent, you add obedience, loyalty, and disclosure of the benefits and the risks, which is a much higher standard. Mm -hmm. So those are the two differences between that. Um, and here's another one. Did I already talk about? Did I did I already talk about um, what agents do when the inventory gets low? Did I no, talk about that? no, we talked about about that before the before the video. video. Okay, do you want to talk about that a little bit, or how what agents do when the okay. when the inventory gets really low and they start to form clicks? Yeah, and this ties in. We'll tie it into agency here in just a second. So sometimes, um, as we we have record low inventory right now. I don't know when you're watching this video, but if you're watching it in the early part of 2017, it's crazy out there um, and we're we're thinking it's going to be kind of a crazy spring so when inventory gets really low some agents get clickish and what they do is they market the listing just within their their office. their office or their click or their facebook group or yeah because everybody's looking at probably less transactions and um so they're kind of trying to help each other out a little bit more than helping out their seller. Sometimes you may get a team and maybe they're a larger team and they just want to keep the deal in the team. Mm -hmm. You see that. The risk is with violating your agency uh, agreement in that mm -hmm. if you're not working to get, if you're, if you're limiting your pool of buyers, right. you're doing what? You're potentially limiting uh, how much you can get for the home. This is if, you're, if they're saying, well, let's, let's start doing a coming soon and see if we can, you know, sell this before you even have to have showings, which is some sellers say do that for me, but they might not know the opposite side of that, which means if it's not on the open market, you risk not getting the highest price for your property. And sometimes that can mean twenty to thirty thousand dollars difference. And so it's like is twenty to thirty thousand dollars worth not having um, people in your house for one or two days in this market? Yeah. So, and you hit right on the point. Like, if the if you as the seller say you want to do coming soon and you want to do this limited thing to begin with, that's fine. But if the agent needs, if they're going to be your agent, they need to explain the risk of not being able to expose the property to more people, and then that needs to be in writing. I would argue in the seller agency agreement right. that the seller is specifically requesting this because otherwise, if you're limiting the buyer pool and you're not getting the highest price mm -hmm. that that's and you're not in agencies we communicate the risks mm -hmm. i mean that's potentially violation of of, um, of agency yeah. law and so that's it could or it couldn't be it depends on what was told to the seller now if the seller sells her house mm -hmm. and it was sold within the little click and the seller found out later that there were other offers on their Whoa. home at 20 30, higher this <laughs> oh stuff gosh. happens some sellers want the convenience of maybe going to the mountains for the weekend, yeah. having, you know, a quick sale yeah. and coming back and, and be done. And as long as they sign off on it and they know the benefits and the risks, we've done our job. However, um, you know, if the agents aren't communicating this stuff, it could, yeah. it could be bad. That's where it gets messy. <laughs> so in a nutshell, I think you're starting to get a sense of what some companies may just want less uh, responsibility. Yeah. And less risk, right? Less risk. Transaction broker, less risk. Mm-hmm. Yep. For them. 
For the agent. Yeah. Not and, necessarily for the seller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Or buyer. We've kind of been leaning on the seller side, but it's the, the same thing with the buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have somebody who's representing you as an agent, and what can happen? You could end up not um, getting a not getting a home, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. you don't have somebody who's working with your motivations and um, with your best interests at heart. So they're not taking yeah. the time to put in the highest and best offer, coach you on that, what think, that means. Think about this dynamic. Let's say you're working with a, and I've heard, I've heard people, I've heard companies brag about this. We all know we're exclusively transaction broker. I'm like, okay, so you're represent, you've got your buyer and you're the transaction broker because maybe nobody signed anything. Yeah. The listing agent's representing the seller yeah. under seller agency, full communication of benefits and risks, completely protecting that seller as a coach. Mm-hmm. And then you're coming along and you're, you know, sort of helping your buyer and you're, you have no responsibility to communicate the benefits and the risks to your buyer, yeah. but the other person on the transaction has that uh, responsibility to the seller. And see, yeah. so you see the kind of difference How in approach. How does that work when you're doing like an inspection objection? How does that work? Yeah, it's just a lower standard. And, and just like, what do you want to put on the inspection objection? I don't know. What should I do? Whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even know how that would work. <laughs> yeah, they don't have to. Uh, they they just, yeah, the agent just has to disclose some things that they know about that are material. But they don't have to. There's a spot right more. there on the roof. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 They don't have to go any step further and, and yeah. um and communicate the risks. So it really is up to the consumer yeah. what, the, what the client wants. Mm-hmm. We only work exclusively on agents, uh, buyer-seller agency. Uh, we don't do transaction brokerage. So um, I hope that explains why. <laughs> yeah. So we hope that you found this talk on agency law in Colorado interesting. If you have any questions, you can give us a call. 303-709-8778 is my cell number um, or both for contact information is at the bottom of this video. Do you have any other thoughts on agency? No, I think that uh, if you are talking to a realtor or a real estate agent, that you should make sure to ask them and be certain of what kind of agency you are getting. Yeah, know your options for sure. All right, thank you so much. Make it a great rest of your month of February. And uh, again, if you're looking to buy or sell, feel free to reach out to us. Thanks so much.